Good evening and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandsbury. And February comes around so soon, it only seems like a blink of an eye since last year we were going over the council budget for another year and... If you remember last year, harmony broke out everywhere with everyone agreeing and holding hands and singing at the end. So um, Tuesday was the big day, Simon, and uh, our chance to review the the cut and thrust of the chamber and uh, whether harmony broke out all over or whether there was this year there was a, a little bit more spice to the debate. Well, um, there was an outbreak of agreement, but it wasn't universal. Is possibly the oh. is is possibly the teaser that that I could um, that I could provide. So, um, so yeah, it's it's been a busy week in politics. We've had a couple of by elections up country, which haven't which either have gone really well or un- or not very well or as expected, depending on on on, um, on how you view them. But the big thing locally, of course, was the was the budget meeting. Um. Yeah, what um? Do you want to take any bets as to as to how it went? Well, the first thing I would like to put well, and I I think I called this early that I thought the rise would be four point nine nine percent. Um, you know, which isn't it's not the riskiest bet anybody's ever placed. So, the rules are there's a two percent precept for adult social care, and then you can stick. Up to if you go to three percent, then you have to have a referenda for the mm-hmm. good people of Portsmouth to decide whether they want to bear that cost. Or if it's two point nine nine percent, taking your overall counts, your tax budget up to four point nine nine, then it can go through if all the parties agree or enough of the parties agree to uh, to get it passed. Because for people who may be listening for the first time, Portsmouth is a unitary authority but in no overall control with the Lib Dems being massive but not quite big enough to be half and uh, then a couple of three sort of chunkier parties but really as if one of those goes with the uh, Lib Dems then uh, then their budget would have been passed. Yeah that, that's essentially it is. Sorry I was just chuckling under the idea of the Lib Dem massive. Um, so Yeah yeah. yeah. Um, yes, they, they, ha- they have quite a Boss crew, I understand. Baseball caps um, and t-shirts are available from the merchandise stall outside the well, capital. Well, indeed, yes. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the things, one of the quickly to mention it, and we did, we t- we touched on it last week in our in our preview. Um, the the motion about second homes. So this was the thing where from mm. the first of April next year, uh, the council will be charging a hundred percent. Uh, council tax premium for uh, second homes in this city but also a hundred percent premium for uh for homes that sorry a cat your cat has just yes Enid Blyton has come to join the great, podcast gracefully. for those of you who are, are just listening it's um yeah, Enid <laughs> sometimes shows herself and not in the best light but um not always hopefully but... there won't be there won't be too much cat's bum face um related we, we, to we hope not meeting. no we hope we hope not um let's leave all the embarrassing stuff in the chamber so um yeah and for charging um empty substantially unfurnished homes that have been empty for basically a year or, or more um, there's a sliding scale of, uh, going through how many years and the, basically the extra 100% uh, that they'd be charged premium on, on, on top. Essentially, all of those things 
uh, trying, I guess, in, um, to either bring more money into the into the council coffers or to free up more currently empty homes in the city so that um, they can be they can fill the um, the desperate housing need that we've got. Mm. Um, so. Um, to be fair, that that went without really any much of a fanfare, um, and um, and that one passed um, without a recorded vote. Um, but it did look like there was one um, one abstention, um, but we don't know who because they we didn't do like a roll call on this count, um, which we did on the other two. They're required to do a to an actual roll call. Um, but yeah, basically yeah. that way, no one seemed to be in any real well no large number of people seem to be in a real rush to to disagree with that so off that went and then we were up up for the main item um yeah just one last little addendum that i read mm. in the week is that the isle of Wight, where you think people may well have holiday homes mm -hmm. um they went really big on it in their budget meeting they've gone for a 200 percent premium um, um, which they think will raise them five million pounds, um, which with a much smaller budget than Portsmouth, they, they really have gone, um, gone gone bonkers on that one. So um, yeah, we thought that one would pass. Let's um, let's uh, let's jump into the main event. Yeah. So um, Councillor Steve Pitt, the um, the leader of Portsmouth City Council, it's his first uh, budget speech. So so shall we have some excerpts from uh, from his speech? Yeah, let's see what he's got to say. Councils of all political colours have been making a very strong case to government that without significant additional funding, the very nature of local government as we know it is in peril. The LGA identified the need for an additional £4 billion this coming year, not to increase the delivery of local services, but to maintain current levels and provide for the relentless increase in need for demand-led services such as adults and children's services and temporary accommodation. The government's response was to provide £600 million, of which £500 million was to be spread across councils which provide additional resources for social care. For Portsmouth, this meant around 1.8 million in uh, additional funding against a budget pressure of 14.5 million, only 7.9 of which was to be covered by additional grants and the 2% preset on council tax bills for local residents. The current system is failing. It is failing across the country. One in five councils have been warning that they will need to consider filing a section 114 notice during the next financial year. It's worth reflecting for a moment on what section 114 actually means. Commissioners are sent in by the government to run the council. Every single non-statutory spend is put on hold and decisions are made away from the political leadership on what gets spent. In practice, this means that events programmes vanish, museums close, libraries close, Early help and intervention work in social care, often the very activities which reduce the acute demand which costs the most, ceases. Green initiatives would end. Support for cultural organisations would cease. Now, currently, Portsmouth is not in that place. We've invested wisely as a council over the years, delivered on budget savings measures, rather than relying on the extensive use of reserves to avoid making the tough decisions, and this has served us well. 
However, since the austerity period began, Portsmouth's lost over £100 million a year in funding, and so every year making the required savings without cutting services gets harder as demand-led service costs in continue to increase. It is worth noting, for example, that a complex placement in the private sector for a single young person in our corporate care prior to the pandemic cost around £7,000 per week. There are examples of such cases now costing £47,000 per week. Yes, per week. That's £2.4 million per year for one child. It shouldn't need any explanation that one or two more young people requiring this level of care would significantly unbalance our budget. So Portsmouth is for now a stable council with a balanced structural budget for the next three years. This is based on requiring £1 million a year in savings in each of the next three years with a possible variance of up to £1.67 million in addition per year. Therefore, it is vital that we consider the potential need for up to £2.67 million in savings when we make the important decision around raising council tax. We absolutely understand the pressures on household budgets. We recognise that many families have had to abandon their own discretionary spends, the day out as a family, the trip to the cinema, or even just a takeaway meal. But for many, the choices are even harder, with families having to choose between heating and eating. These are tough times, and the very last thing we want to do is increase council tax to add to that burden. However, it is imperative that everyone understands that raising council tax to fill some of the gap being left in our finances is actually the policy of this government. Indeed, when the government talks about increasing core spending for councils, they are factoring into their figures a 2.99% increase in council tax and for upper tier authorities a 2% increase in the social care precept. They are passing the buck onto local taxpayers to shield themselves from taking the flak. It is totally disingenuous and cynical, and I would urge the next government to be more open and transparent about the way they choose to fund local government. If the Conservatives want a low tax and low spend country, then they need to fix what's broken first, before pursuing ideology at the expense of reality. Cutting taxes whilst forcing cuts to the very services that our residents rely on is not good government. It's bad government. It's irresponsible government. So, um, so Council Leader um, Steve Pitt, they're making it clear um, where he feels kind of the blame lies in actually those continual rising costs and uh, decisions made by by central government um and on reflection that actually thankfully portsmouth city council despite um having to raise council tax again this year by a total of 4.9 percent um is actually still in a better situation than lots of other councils yeah and i think that's where you know we we uh, and again the, the the bit at the end anyone might think there's a general election coming this year and i'm sure that's a theme that will pop up again throughout our podcast um but i think we do have to acknowledge that you know over the last the the the, 
the the council has been in no overall control for as long as anyone can remember um and you know there is an element of the the realities of the the cuts to central government spending um you know that that is the reality of what's happened now if we look at our council as a whole they have made the right prudent decisions which means we are not in the deep hole that steve describes you know of having to effectively hand over control and say well we're sorry we're broke someone else is going to have to look after it so i do think we you know we have to give a positive acknowledgement there i i think the thing for me which is the that which is the challenging bit and i think steve highlighted it perfectly is about the discretionary spent and i think that's where that's where the sort of challenge will always come because i think for some people there will there will always be that sort of dilemma of you know well we'll you know we'll have to close museums and close libraries and i'm sure there will be a number of people who will say well good I haven't been to a museum or a library in the last 30 years. So it, it's nice that you're keeping them open, but I don't want you to spend my council tax on them. And I think that's where the that's where that challenge in terms of of the discretionary spend, I think, is where, you know, where, if you like, the the ideological battle kind of might 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 sit. Yeah, I, I guess kind of overall, as as money from central government goes has been going down over over the last fourteen years, yep. um, the costs of the things that the council is mandated to provide have gone up. Um, yep. Not just because they're more expensive to deliver per head, if you like, but also because um, you know some of them there's actually a, 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 you, know, a, a, a you know an, in, an increase in the in the size. Or the number of people that, that need that sort of support. Um, so they're kind of being hit at kind of both levels. And one thing that, you know, yeah. national government is saying, you must be delivering this. Um, but on the other hand, but you're going to have to keep doing it with less and less and less. And I guess um, it's an argument that that's kind of made elsewhere by, um, by other contrib contributors that, um, you know, that there comes a point where, does there come a point where, the, the the savings that you try to find you're ever you're ever fight you're fighting ever ever harder to to find ever smaller savings because all of the easy ones have already been picked off yeah and i i think that i think that is is pretty much where we are is that the size of that discretionary you know the size of the mandatory pie gets bigger and bigger and takes a bigger chunk of the resource and the amount of discretionary money that's left gets smaller and smaller um you know and it's that question and that's where i think the the question around this whole debate and we'll get into some more clips in a minute is you know do you always increase do, do you you know and i think steve did spell it out there is the fact that you know the expectation is that you're going to take the extra five percent and cut um it's not an either or it, it's not a case of you know well you know you don't need the five percent so you know if you cut enough then you can say oh, well council tax can stay flat I, I think where we're at at the moment is it appears to be that the mindset and we'll explore other other angles is that you have to make the five percent increase and then trim the budget to get it all to fit 
Um, yeah, you're, yeah. It's, it seems like they're, you know they're having to do both things, aren't they? They're still having to find savings, but they're still having to ask um, the locals to to pay uh, to pay ever more, essentially to you know to cover that deficit, that distance between the money that's coming in from central government and the increase of the costs in the in the things that council's providing. But um, so just to just to cue viewers up on um, on how the meeting kind of was formulated. So um, the council leader um, of the administration uh, has put forward his case. Um, so he he put forward his case, uh, and then the next thing that we we um, we heard uh, was uh, a speech from the leader of the conservative group, the the next uh, the next largest group uh, on the council, which uh, which is Simon Bosher. Uh, so I've got an excerpt here of um, of his of his amendment. But let me just kind of quickly. Um, look at at the actual amendment that um that he had actually um he had actually proposed which um which was um just to uh sorry i'm just making sure i've got the right one so um so it was to um reductions in the housing and tackling homeless portfolio uh which was the kind of the center of actually quite a impassioned uh conversation uh, later on uh, but essentially, that's um, that's about not relocating um, an existing hub um, that um, that um, that is in the budget, and also the resources portfolio, uh, reducing that spend by about ninety five thousand, um, and instead um, using using that money to um, put in oops sorry wrong one uh, to put in some additional spend um, in transport portfolio, for example, um, automatic number plate recognition cameras outside schools to to enforce the no stopping rule um i can just hear all of the people on facebook going wild about um about that accusing the council of using that as a cash cow to um to um to to fund apparently a, a war on cars so it's interesting to see that as a as an amendment um from the conservative group um road safety measures in copner and in hilsey and uh pavement or path repairs uh, and cultural leisure and economic development portfolio, adding um, an adventure play park in Farlington and public realm uh, improvements in Cosham High Street. So um, a couple of things there across several different wards in the mm. north of the city, and that was a bit of the uh, a, a bit of uh, Simon's speech. So if I if I can kind of come to come to yeah, uh, yes. Simon Bosch's speech, we'll let him speak. Lord Mayor. A 4.99% increase in council tax is what is not what we would need. And as a Conservative group, this is not what we would have done. However, with the backdrop of the war in Ukraine and other pressures and the requirements to spend an additional 14.5 million in children's services and adult social care, we face difficult times. The budgetary pressures that have been outlined by the Section 151 officer have deemed that increase necessary. But I'm looking to the leader and his cabinet to take note of the pressures being placed on our communities and to ensure that we have tight financial controls in the coming financial year. As the Lord leader has already mentioned, 380,000 for early years demand, 7.5 million for secondary and special school places. Both of which, as he's pointed out, are government money passported directly to PCC, for which I would acknowledge the role that Penny Morden has played in securing this funding. Indeed, Penny has been instrumental in a number of grants for Portsmouth from the Youth Investment Fund, 11,500 for Hilsey and Wimmering Centre, 
which I gather Councillor Madgwick is completely supportive of, 18,000 for the 70th Portsmouth Scout Group, and 1.4 million for King George V playing fields being three examples. And since Penny's Dental Summit, we now have three new dental practices in the north of the city. In Penny, we have an MP who delivers for Portsmouth, does, doesn't write letters. Looking to outside court improvements and play area improvements, of the £920,000, almost 50% of that is being spent on Bransbury Park. And well over 60% of these budgets being spent in the south of the city. Local elections on the horizon, perhaps? We've not even got to Bransbury Leisure Centre yet, Lord Mayor. But Bransbury Leisure Centre, Lord Mayor, this project has now risen from 16 million to 22 million. And we're now hearing that the sports hall facility is being taken out of that. Hopefully now, though, we still ha we have a fully funded scheme. But so far, the cost of this scheme has eclipsed the total cost of the Mountbatten Centre redevelopment with its 50-metre pool, gym facilities, splash pool, cafeteria, changing facilities, by several million, and to date, not a shovel in the ground. <coughs> Within the housing and homelessness, the administration is seeking to create a central hub and reception facilities to the tune of £352,000. This is a £352,000 concept. It's not fully costed and is the estimated capital for a fit-out space, I understand, within the civic offices, most likely on the ground floor. In my lifetime on the Council Lord Mayor, the ground floor has been fitted out at least four times, to my knowledge. But unfortunately, Lord Mayor, this Lib Dem administration has form when it comes to schemes not fully costed. This year, we have Bransbury Park <coughs> Leisure Centre, the new ground floor reception facilities, Last year, we had £500,000 for the purchase of Farlington playing fields, which weren't actually Farlington playing fields and wasn't successful, not even close. And then who can forget the St James Hospital pantomime? Moving on to resources now, Lord Mayor, and this one is a classic. £472,800 allocated for the Civic Office downsizing scheme. And the clue here is in the description a review into downsizing the civic offices. So what this £472,000 is actually for is to carry out a review and come up with a study. For our part, Lord Mayor, we've looked to support our local communities, particularly those in the often overlooked areas, Cotner, Hilsey, Drayton and Farlington and Cossum, which have traditionally been ignored by the Lib Dem administration in the scramble for votes in Southsea. We've held public meetings, we've listened to residents who, have, who are fearful of tr speeding traffic in Cotler and Hilsey. Those residents want safer streets, not half a million pounds worth of studies and reviews. So we've looked to put money into those communities to meet with their concerns at a local level. This year's budget can be summed up in five words. Nope. Pay more but get less. Council... Yeah, sorry, did you, did, should we carry on listening to all the group leaders or did you want to pause after Simon? Well, I think there's some interesting points there to, to look at in terms of, okay. of because it, it is interesting, first of all, let's, let's look at some politicking. I think there might be a general election this year, so 
you know, big shout out to Penny Morden from from Simon, and understandably so. Um, but one of the key things for me in that Simon was the, you know, it was interesting that on social media afterwards, that that the the cut to homeless services was was being played quite loud by a couple of members of the administration, whereas in fact what they were actually proposing was not spending money refurbishing the ground floor of the civic offices and then noted that there was also half a million pounds best part of being put aside to decide whether we want to downsize the civic offices so for me there is an element there of that looks like the best part of a million quid you know or eight hundred thousand that that you know there's a question mark against that and a ring round that spend um so yeah i am i you know i whilst there is politicking in all of this um and of course everyone will pick out the morsels that best suit their argument um that did look to me like a a million pound we probably shouldn't be spending i i, I must admit i can't quite understand why you'd spend a load of money looking at refurbishing the ground floor of a building you're also doing a study on whether you might actually abandon it um but you know that's that's just me i guess it depends you know sometimes mm. that's necessary because other places are so unsuitable that you have to do you have to kind of basically just swallow that cost because the alternative is is that much um unbearable and, and to be fair your, your point about that is actually something raised by uh pci group leader cal corkery uh, later on but it but i I'm, unfortunately i didn't we didn't have time to to fit his clip in as well so it, it's um and again i'll repeat that all of the group leader um clips i'll be sharing the links to their full unedited um uh, speeches um into into the chat so please do go listen to them after after the show or listen and come back um but yeah so i, I you know there is a there is a kind of question there but you can also see about i, I think an argument's being made there about um a geographic um focus oh, north, of of yes. the, you know, a, a um a north south divide or um trying to make the case um it, it, you know is that all of the attentions in south sea um and that are you know around 50 60 percent of the of the money being spent um in the south of the city well half if you're i mean depending on what you define as the south of the city and whether you're talking about constituency boundaries then uh, about 60 percent of the population are in the south of the city so yeah it's it, yeah, you know you could you could but i guess you can make statistics make any argument can't you well, there is an old saying that 78.3% of all statistics are made up, including this one. So should we have a look, listen to Charlotte, the Labour Group leader, and see see whether she's any happier? Um, yes. Um, so, um, and her um, her speech, um, uh, the... Uh, the Lord Mayor uh, points out that that's her her return to full council after after being off um, with the with the birth of her first child. So let's um, let's listen to uh, Labour Group leader Charlotte Gerrard's uh, speech. Tax is set to rise again in Portsmouth, putting even more pressure on working people, but residents won't be getting more. The proposed increase of 4.99% will simply help the authority keep its head above water. It will help with keeping up with rising demands on social services, schools and homelessness services. Meanwhile, the council needs to make cuts of £2 million to balance the budget, making this yet another challenging year financially for Portsmouth. The cost of living crisis and inflation are two of the main drivers of the increased pressure on frontline services. 
The more financial pressures on families means more chances they'll no longer be able to afford their rent, mortgage or bills. It puts residents at increased risk of homelessness, family breakdown and illness. This creates a double whammy for the council, with more demand for council services when inflation is already pushing up the council's ongoing costs. There's currently so much suffering in our city, and yet it's needless because the cost of living crisis is largely man-made and avoidable. Responsibility for this sits squarely with this outdated Conservative government, which insists on clinging on to power, when what the public really want is a general election now, so they can vote with their feet and put the Conservatives where they belong, in the past. While wider global forces have contributed to the economic challenges we face as a country, it was exacerbated by the fallout of the disastrous Trust mini-budget in 2022. Conservative economic mismanagement has so much to answer for, especially for our residents here in Portsmouth. That's why another increase to council tax is going to be another blow for residents and while the Conservatives will have you believe they are a party of tax cuts, they're actually a government overseeing considerable tax rises. New analysis by Labour reveals the council tax bill is set to top 57 billion under the Conservatives. That's more than double than under the last Labour government. Isn't it ironic that the government is forcing councils to raise council tax while they talk about plans to reduce tax in the forthcoming budget? As outlined in the budget report since 2011-12, the Council will have made £108 million in savings. This is 49% of its controllable spend. This is eye-watering and just illustrates the chronic underfunding councils like ours have experienced. Looking forward to the Portsmouth City Council budget today, the leader of the Council is willing to consider Labour's policy proposals. £100,000 more for road safety measures, £16,000 to extend the Portsmouth Stroke Recovery Service until the end of the financial year and double the number of deployable CCTV cameras. I'm pleased to say the Leader of the Council agreed to accept these ideas and I thank him for including them in the budget today. We do have an amendment that we were ready to propose from the floor if the Leader didn't stick to his word, but he did. So um, I'm pleased to say we don't, <laughs> we don't need to put it forward. The council is stuck between a rock and a oh. hard place, as always. With fine. Oh, sorry, missing my missing my cues. So before we get into um, Portsmouth Independence Party group leader uh, George Madrick, um so yeah, there is a bit of a theme, isn't there, of of throwing to national um, the impacts there or the root causes of um, of what's happening um, behind well, it. Yeah. I mean, I found that a very funny, a very, not funny, ha ha, but a very peculiar speech. Because there was this sort of terrible, you know, uh, there was a kind of whole, you know, suffering people, you know, cost of living crisis, people can't bear a, a, an increase. But from what I can work out, there was an element of, well, we we got what we wanted for our leaflet fodder. Um, so we're just going to smile and wave it through. So. I, I and I see this. I think this is a this is a and I got into a little bit of spat with the Portsmouth Labour Facebook group because you know the, 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 about this time they start posting these aren't the Lib Dems awful aren't the Lib Dems terrible the Lib Dems are a terrible terrible thing Portsmouth deserves better and then as we've just seen in that speech you know they they are united with them in deciding that the root of all evil is conservative central government and so the 
the good people of Portsmouth can wear a 4.99% shrug. What are we supposed to do about it? Thanks for the extra money in the pot for our schemes, which we will now furiously write leaflets about how we've won for the people of Portsmouth. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, but I guess, I mean, I, I mean, part of that is a factor of how first past the post means that, um, it means that you, you kind of, you have to kind of find accommodations, but then also fight to dif to differentiate yourself from even, even from, hmm. um, parties or policies that you, or particular parties from, oh, sorry, particular policies from, from certain parties that you may or may, may well not support, I guess. Um, the interesting thing is, you know, quite often has been a theme over previous years has been if you don't allow the budget to pass, then what happens? Um, oh. You know, chaos ensues. So it's it's kind of like a it's almost, you know, there's a political and metaphorical, um, you know, gun to the head. But in the sense of, um, look, if, if actually the budget got voted down and everyone and, and, and you had to go back to the drawing board, um you know what what would happen then what issues would oh. that cause for, for for local services um does that start encroaching or if you're having to hurriedly recalculate all of that bearing in mind that i think oh. these discussions kind of start november december does does that start getting into purder ahead of the local elections and it's and it's all just a bit of a it's all just a bit of a chaos but yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of leaflet writing in these speeches isn't there yeah, and I think that's for me. Look, I don't mind because it is policy and it's politics, isn't it? So there is an element of, you know, if you look at it, you know, both at a local level, the Lib Dems and and Labour appear to be ideologically aligned, which is that we have to raise it by four point nine nine. We don't want to central government's fault. Um, and we'll spend the money as wisely as we can. So I, I kind of get that. I think the bit where I'm sort of struggling a little bit is that, you know, uh, uh, and maybe this is just a political point for another show, which is, that's okay. But I do, it's the phony war that exhausts me where you tell social media how terrible the Lib Dems are and how dreadful they are. And I don't mind a bit of that. But if you then vote for everything they put forward, it's a bit of a it's a bit double speak for me. But um, let's let's have a listen to see what George has got to say about the whole thing. So I did clip the bit out um, where George pretty much said, um, I thought we were here to talk about local politics and the local budget. So why why the heck are we talking about national politics? Could we not be? Um, um, but um, I'll play the rest of um, so an excerpt of, of of everything else that he um, obviously said. Accept these ideas. Oh. And I thank him for including them in the budget today. I um, appreciate the council is stuck between a rock and a hard. We do have an amendment oh, that we so uh, so. Um, I'm pleased oh. to say we don't. So um, so um, so so. Um, I'm pleased to say we don't. <laughs> you don't need to I'm put just it. Just going to let that play. Um, the council is stuck between a rock and a hard place as always with finances. Nothing's going to be perfect. And I really did appreciate last year when all four parties come together and uh and and put through a budget i thought that was a really positive thing and we it seems like we're almost here today as well with a few um and i think that the tory amendment is 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 reasonable so um so george um stuck to his word despite saying i wasn't going to um wasn't going to speak at the start of his of his intervention um which for if you're playing kind of full council bingo that's kind of one along the top row um yeah, did actually did actually kind of keep to his word. Um, after George, um, there was also um, 
uh, Portsmouth Community Independence leader, Cal Corkery, talked about the rationale of moving a homeless support um, facility from one location to another location and now actually spending another load of money on moving it to another one. Won't that just happen again? Um, and talking about the the suitability of certain um, support places um, where people go into, there isn't enough room for them to receive um, advice confidentially um, and dealing with some of the most stressful kind of parts of their lives in them. And basically those facilities being kind of un, un, unsuitable for them. But it, um, again, he kind of spoke to the, the national picture that um, although th he expects things to be better, um, if there were to be a change of government that um, they perhaps won't be as good as they could have been. Um, it, well, this kind of yeah, thing. I mean, <laughs> that's not a surprise, yeah. I don't think. No, I don't think so. No, and I, and I think if we focus on what George said there, he mm. talked a lot of sense, you know, that there is unfortunately, we've covered this before many times on the podcast, the political posturing in the chamber on national issues is great for sound bites, but actually changes nothing. Um, and we've seen that from sort of all three of the previous group leaders. Um, you know, it is a difficult one for me because I, I think there is a, you know, it, it is clear to me that the council chamber is is divided, um, you know, in terms of the Conservatives and everybody else. Um, you know, that, that seems to come through quite strongly. Um, and I think that, you know, for me, there is this element of when we're talking about consensus politics, um, it, it almost feels as if the, you know, the, the, the Labour requests have been baked in, the the conservative ones. And I'm guessing I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, um, despite George saying that he thought their amendments were reasonable. I would guess they probably didn't get adopted despite their reasonability. Um, and so, you know, everybody's got a bit of something with the exception of the conservatives and um and uh the vote then proceeded on i'm guessing um well in um in in steve pitt's summation he he kind of still um motion you know indicates that the door's kind of open to have conversations with uh with the conservative council group but he, he also mentions that actually he, he's in discussions with um Kosham, um, the other two Kosham councillors, uh, Mary Valerie and Ashgar Shah, um, about using SIL money to um, to make some improvements to, to Kosham High Street, and that was that was kind of the interesting thing is the um, the choice, and that's a whole other kind of different um, situation to kind of unravel about. Rather than these being things fought out in the budget, could they not be things that that SIL, uh, some of them are that SIL money is used for because they're their capital spend, which is something that um, that, yep. that that um, that that that's actually what you know seal can be used for so it, it, it yeah there's an interesting kind of conversation there was a i think there was a bit of should we say frustration from some of the further responses but the but um but the next thing that happens was was a a conversation where councillor matthew atkins uh from caution was was asking uh for a ruling on because uh, essentially he's only allowed to actually move one amendment um, but he was concerned that uh, actually the um, the section um, 114 officer w might rule his motion inadmissible. And therefore, if that's the case, his motion hasn't been moved. And therefore, surely he's allowed to put another um, because he hasn't actually moved the motion because it's been struck off before it's actually been um, put on the table. Uh -huh. So a 15, 20 minute kind of discussion um, took, took place 
um, and then while that amendment, while his amendment was was circulated, um, basically they they um, they took a um, what was meant to be a five minute recess, but also turned out to be about twenty five minute recess um, to be able to look at that. But um, yeah, so um, and not an entirely unexpected, I think, political hand grenade um, from uh, from Councillor Atkins was a suggestion that essentially. Um, well, he'll 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 explain it, but essentially his his um his suggestion was the council can save a shed load of money by basically abandoning the um the building of the leisure centre at Bransbury Park, uh, and therefore actually make a significant reduction um of, of around thirteen million, um and therefore not need to um not need to um increase council tax by so much. So, wow! Um, let's, hear, let's hear what he's got to say. Yes. Yeah, so let's hear what the what the man says. Um, and uh, and um, and then we could come back. As I begin, I'll actually briefly summarise what would have been put in the other amendment, which I was not allowed to put. Which is, uh, as I said to the uh, to the council in December, I wished the administration to identify some form of budget where they would avoid raising council tax by the full amount. Of course, they didn't, and have continued to call doing so irresponsible, impossible, and all kinds of other names during the course of this meeting. The fact remains that since 2018, which I think is the relevant date when the Liberal Democrats took control of this council, council tax has increased by nearly 25%. And if the, uh, the track is followed in this budget of increasing it by 5% every year between now and 2028, it will represent a near 45% increase on the 2018 level of council tax. So that will be a record of 10 years, 45% increase in council tax. And I just simply do not believe that was justified. I have a disagreement with the uh, Chief Finance Officer to whom I defer uh, over whether or not this council is actually making savings when the budget is in fact going up. So uh, what I would have done is reduced the inflationary increase that you were making across all portfolios by half. Count Councillor Atkin, could you yeah. please stick to the amendment that's been tabled? Well, isn't, isn't this my general speech on the budget as well, Lord Mayor? No? No? So I will get another speech uh, 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 apart from this. You just get six minutes to speak well, on the amendment. I'm speaking on the budget as a whole as part of the budget Party debate. leaders get unlimited time. Yes, making I know. An amendment. Therefore, this is my budget speech, my whole speech in the debate, budget debate, and I'm contributing to the budget debate. But you get your six minutes to speak on your amendment. That's that's how it is in the standing. Will I orders. get another six minutes in the six minutes in the budget debate? No. Therefore, so. I can speak on any matter relating to the budget during this six minutes. And by the way, it should not include this interruption, which has been over a minute now. <coughs> Carry on. So, thank you, Lord Mayor. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, as I say, I would not have made the general fund increase, and I would have reduced the increase we are giving to adult and social uh, adult social care by about one million, and the children's social care by about half a million. So, my point was simply this: that at a time when the residents of Portsmouth are tightening their belt, I don't believe it is right for the council to be fattening its belt. And I understand the inflationary backdrop. I understand the blame my government bears, but as Councillor Madrick said, this is a local budget and I locally do not believe in 5% council tax increases every year for the next five years. Um, mm. So, yeah, so there was a... Um, 
interesting kind of um, stuff there, I guess, about the... I mean, he said at his beginning about him not being allowed to put in the original amendment. I'm not quite sure what or to whom he w- he was referring with regard to that. But he 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 makes kind of the counterpoint. I, I mean, he make he makes his his point well, um, as he often does. That has no one really considered the alternative of not, uh, you know, what you would need to do in order to not increase council tax. Um, I, I, and I guess he, he, I mean, he he does go on to, to say. I, I mean, I, th- I think it. it his his amendment is is essentially trying to um trying to make a trying to exercise um a, a thought experiment in the sense of this is the sort of thing that you would need to be doing in order to be doing that and you it's not right or fair that you continue to feel that it's uh, um I, I'm I'm paraphrasing yeah, but no. it's, it's a thing to kind of keep going back to those increases all the time. And I, I guess that's the, the point he's trying to make is that you should be doing something yeah. else. Yeah, I think it's that ideological point, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's that, you know, and and, and I, I touched on it a little bit earlier, which is that the, the Lib Dem and the Labour group seem to ideology, ideologically believe that the 4.99 increase is inevitable. So we just take that as a given and then we, we add that number onto the budget and then we we work to trim back everything so that it fits inside that number. And I think what Councillor Atkins is offering up there, and you can you can see some of the tension in that, is is the fact that well, you know, have we actually you know have we kicked the tires? Have we poked and prodded at everything to see whether there is a way to avoid the four point nine nine percent? And I think a couple of years ago, I think the Conservatives tabled a motion to sell off a load of land that the mm-hmm. council owns in Haven. Um, and I think in, in the longer version of, of Councillor Atkins speech, he basically says, scrap the Bransbury Park Leisure Centre. Yeah. You know, again, there's a little bit of noise about that, but there is an element of it, it's a 12 million pound project. Um, it has been bedeviled by, um, you know, th- th- there are lots, of, there's lots of noise surrounding it. Because um, effectively it was going to replace Wimbledon Park and the Eastney Pool. Um, there, there is concern about where it's located, whether there's adequate parking. Um, and I have been a little bit personally involved through my work with the Portsmouth Disability Advisory Group, because I think the scope has had to be looked at two or three times. Um, and I think in Councillor Bosch's um, speech he he noted that the sports hall that was part of the original design has now gone um, and, and it is a sort of shrinking facility and there is a an element of political um, you know the politics in it in that it's being built in Milton uh, or on the edge of Milton uh, which is the uh, obviously the ward of councillor Steve Pitt uh, Gerald Vernon Jackson and Kimberly Barrett, all of whom are Lib Dems. But I think you're right in terms of the thought experiment. Councillor Atkins there is throwing it out. Um, I, I don't, you know, it, it, interesting that that effectively have we now got two conservative groups in the in the chamber, Simon? I I, I mean to be fair. Well, I don't know whether that's appropriate. A couple of things. I mean, in um, in the full version of um, Steve Pitt's speech, he does talk about the capital expenditure and talk about 
um, the arrangements and the uh, and the costs um, with relation to um, projects, including Bransbury Park, um, and um, I, I, and indeed um, one of the other things that he mentions is that there um, there's exploration underway of a of an establishment within the city that's looking to do something that would enable them to replace um the facilities at Wimbledon Park um but they're not yep. ready to make an announcement on that and that that would be announced formally sometime in the spring given that spring is likely to be um bedeviled with perda which means that the council can't yep. make any announcements of that nature that's likely probably not to be announced until after the locals is it um so so in that respect there is a kind of plan B with regard to kind of the the removal of the sports hall option at Bransbury. Um, I think it's just a all of these projects. Not me funny. Can anyone remember a project that ever came in on time and under budget? Um, these things always happen. It's just unf really unfortunate that these but these projects are happening at a time where um, where interest rates are actually so high and where inflation is actually so high. Um, and that that's kind of a pressure but also just to return to councillor atkins's point i know it's a bit of a thought experiment so i don't know how serious he was about actually using that as an example to um because politically if the administration had considered that they'd absolutely get hammered by the opposition parties for basically cancelling on something they promised considering yeah, yeah. all of the all of the all of the um all of the vitriol that that took place about uh, about the closure of the pyramids, despite that costing the council at, was it was it something like seven hundred and fifty grand a year or something? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that the Eastney swimming pool is actually is literally un, unfit um, for 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 use, uh, and it, and it would cost far too much to to actually replace. So all all of these kind of things of and at a time where heating great big bodies of water is really bloody expensive. Um, in a way, we're all. Are we actually? Is that an unintended benefit that we're not having to fund the the heating of a large body of water? Um, well, and the, I, I, yeah, I don't and know. The, I just think they the, can't win. <laughs> no, no, and I and I think you're absolutely right. They, you know, if they cancelled it, they get absolutely hammered. Um, you know, and so there there is an element of of you know perhaps it's a little bit mischievous in terms of the way that it's phrased but i think as you say as a thought experiment to say well you know here is a way to you know defer charging everybody the five percent mm -hmm. um you know and this is where it does become a little bit um a little bit we take the thought experiment still further and we'd never want to do the referendum because the cost of it would probably be so expensive but i do wonder whether you know and this is the piece where you can't, you know, you, you haven't all got a controller where you can vote yes or no. But I do wonder if you put to the entirety of Portsmouth, you can either have the Bransbury Park Leisure Centre and a 4.99% council tax rise. And I don't know how much money it is. Or you can have the, you cannot have the Bransbury Park Leisure Centre and a 2.99% rise. I think I think it would be 90-10 in favour of no thanks to Bransbury. Because I think there's an element of something like Bransbury Park, fabulous facilities for those who are close to it and would use it. Um, but it's one of those facilities where it's a little bit, and, and, you know, when we were talking about museums and libraries at the very start, you know, great things to have. 
But I guess the question of if you looked at the total cost of those things versus the number of Portsmouth residents that they actually that get real tangible benefit from them. You know, it, it, it is a question of in, in tough times, would would the people vote for that? Don't um, I, d I don't know that I'm I, d I don't know that I would expect a response that, that, that you predicted there. And, and, and I think fundamentally part of the issue is that the way that council tax is calculated on values of properties from what, the 1990s, the last time I think they, they were they were kind of redistributed. Hmm. The, there isn't kind of anything you almost actually need to reflect the banding that um, that would be the share of of um, property values as, as they are now since like the 1990s there have been um, I mean crikey I don't know whether that would have included the development of Port Solent but um, but since then obviously there's been the very expensive properties at Gunworth and property prices in some parts mm. of Southsea and indeed in, in some parts of Drayton and Farlington are, um, uh, uh, you know a, very much of a of a over and above kind of the sorts of um, the, the sorts of kind of the, the medium household that you'd be seeing in, in the property so Overall, increasing it by 4.9% is kind of the only mechanism that the council really has. But actually, mm. to solve it um, and to make it a more progressive tax, you actually need to solve the bounding in council tax or indeed to do something more to tax against the value of, uh, of property um, because you can't squirrel property away or, on a... Um, on a caribbean island you um it's here you um you you mm. can't kind of um you can't, can't hide, hide it you can't you can't hide it and unless someone's invented a way to cloak them so um should we quickly talk about the votes um and then talk yes how, how did it all head so um so the votes the votes went like thus um the, the we had a vote on whether to accept um so um as you possibly might have expected, the administration declined the opportunity to subsume um, those two amendments. Um, and um, the the Bosher amendments, so the official Conservative group um, amendment, um, went forward um, and uh, that um, fell. There were 12 votes for, which was um, the Conservatives and the Pips. Um, voted for and against was uh, 26 which was um which was the labor um and the um and the administration the lib dem administration yeah yeah so so pips voting for the voting for the, cons the conservative amendment um and the the atkins amendment so it's not an official conservative group yeah. amendment obviously um but the atkins amendment um the only people voting for were Councillor Matthew Atkins and his seconder, uh, Ryan Brent. Um, there were 26 um, against, which were um, the um, the Portsmouth Community Independence uh, Group, um, the Lib Dems and uh, the Labour Group. Um, but abstaining, there were 10 abstentions, which were, um, which were PIP and the Conservative Group. Mm. So, yeah. um, interesting. so interesting there. So then the the big tamale was voting on the cabinet recommendations, which essentially is that is the council budget, because those amendments fell. Um, then um, that passed um, thirty one for seven against, um, and the only abstention was was the Lord Mayor. So, um, so again. Um, that was the so voting for was the Lib Dems and for Labour, 
um, and against was um, was the Conservative group. Um, I think in my note I've I've neglected to put in um, the pips voting for because they must have done for those numbers to work. Yes. So you, um, yeah. so yeah, um, interesting because uh, unless my memory is cheating me, I thought even in times when the Conservative group didn't particularly like the budget or indeed in those years where they suggested selling off that that piece of land and these things are only kind of avoiding it this year you can only sell off a piece of land once you can only avoid yep. Yep. avoid um you can only have the cost saving avoiding doing a 12 million pound construction by avoiding it that year you could then avoid it another year i guess which just kind of starts kicking it down the road at, i guess at one point do you get when do you get to the point of well are you ever going to do it because it's unpalatable, yes. unpalatable to do um but they voted against um, the um, the cabinet recommendations. I don't think they did that in previous years. I think in other years, no, no, they didn't. They've either no. abstained or actually they've gone half and half. Um, so, uh, but again, I think perhaps the and I don't know, but perhaps the strategy there and the logic there is we we understand that the budget's got to pass. We're just making sure that it's clear that we don't agree with it. And obviously, quite clearly, the different groups will be. Um, making the best in their full, in their um, local election campaigns of well we voted against yeah. this increase or um, et cetera et cetera. So that was how the votes yeah, went. And, yeah, and I I think it you know we touched on it earlier. I think it does show that there is quite a clear schism in the chamber now, and and possibly with it being a general election year, um, you know that, that there is a you know I don't think it's entirely polarized, but but there is that there is an element there of you know, if you look at, you know, what we're building up towards, um, you know, there, there is an element of Labour and the Lib Dems are not going to support anything with a Conservative badge on it. And, and you know, for me, the pips have shown pragmatism there in terms of, of that. Um, but I think that's 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 just where we are. And, and as the speeches showed all of us, the, the three main political parties very much framed their budget position for Portsmouth within that national landscape didn't they um yeah they do there was very much that framing so I think having listened to several of them over the over the years um we're kind of getting used to the similarities of of what well some things change and some things mm. rem remain the same don't they um so the other thing on the agenda was the was the questions to members um and one I wanted to very very quickly call out um, was the question from Hilsey uh, Pip uh, Councillor Russell Simpson, which was essentially asking of Hugh Mason, who we'd had on the show um, a couple of weeks oh. ago when we did our episode about HMOs. So why doesn't the council do the 5% like Thanet have done? Um, and there was a very short and then a very lengthy response uh, from Councillor Mason. The short answer being we've never asked for it, but the lengthy explanation um, explaining that actually in Thanet, what that what wasn't... Um, what they weren't allowed to do was actually to change their their regulation to make it a rule from 10% to 5%. They could put in the 5%, but the 5% essentially only became a guide, a guidance instead of actually a, a rule. Um, so in a weird way, that kind of puts them in a worse situation, which seems bonkers, mm. doesn't it? If you ask for a, a dispensation to be able to say, look, we're, a, and these were the points that, that um, Russell Simpson made, you know, we're the most densely populated city outside of London. We're an island city. Um, we, we should be able to make that case. But the real danger is we actually lose the tool by, by applying for that. We lose the tool 
that we've actually got at the moment to limit it in the way that we do. Um, but I did also find that the administration's response a bit, I, I scratched my head a little bit, um, I must admit, because the argument was, well, if we're in that situation, it will encourage people to be developing them more in the north of the city where the properties are larger, where the parking problems are less because the properties are larger and the, there's more kind of street space per property. Um, and that would be encouraging more HMOs in the north of the city. And I'm, I'm just not quite sure how that's not going to happen anyway. No, no one. Has, I, it always. I mean, I think. I think with the with the detail work we did, we saw that the density was all around student land, but that they were starting to spread out from there because people had realised what got to saturation point. Jo- well, yeah, they got to saturation point, but also what jolly good money making wheezes they were. So, um, well, almost yeah, a little bit. Yeah, well, yeah. If, if you could take a large four bedroom house in Drayton, for example, and, and turn that into a seven nine person multiple occupancy property where you're charging each of them 700 pound plus a month it 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 does kind of seem a bit of a yeah i guess the difference is you know and that's where you are going to pay you're going to pay a lot more for a four bedroom in Mm. drayton than you are for a three bedroom in st St. St. jude st tom's so you 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 capital return is much bigger so definitely one we'll pick up again on a future show so budget over for another year um and so you've been listening to the pompey politics podcast i've been ian tiny morris and i've been simon sansbury please do remember to like or comment or follow or subscribe or basically just to make sure you get on the notifications of our next show which will be next week at 6 27 um sunday evening uh but you've been listening to the pompey politics podcast uh please do join us next week thank you for listening to this episode of the pompey politics podcast if you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live we normally broadcast live 6 27 p.m on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics Podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. Stop. See, it's easy. <laughs>